May God's word be a blessing to us. Let's ask the Lord that he would grant that to us tonight. Heavenly Father, we do ask that for Jesus' sake your word would be a blessing to us. But not to stop there, but that so that in turn we might return thanks again to you and praise your name for this is why we were created and this is why we are recreated in Jesus. So may that always be our desire, Lord, to respond well, to respond faithfully uh, to the calling of the gospel and responsibilities you grant to us in your church. We pray that you'd accept our prayers for the sake of Jesus. Through the blessing of your spirit, we do pray. Amen. We're going to be taking a look tonight at Romans chapter 12, and I think what I'll do is I'm going to read just from the very beginning of the chapter, uh, because it does come up in my sermon also. And so we're going to read from the first verse to the eighth verse of Romans chapter 12. And then along with that, we're going to be taking a look at Article 28 out of the Belgian Confession tonight that speaks about our calling to be bound, to bind ourselves to the true church. Article 28 out of the Belgian Confession and in the Psalter hymnal that's found on page 83. We're going to be looking at the word first, looking at Romans 12. We're in that section of the Belgian Confession. If you're visiting with us, we're working our way through the Belgian Confession, and we're in that area where we're talking about the Church of Jesus Christ. And so this is we're really getting right into the middle of all of that discussion. Last week we looked at the Holy Catholic Church, and then today our responsibilities within it. So Romans 12, starting with verse 1, reading through to verse 8 where we start. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you, excuse me, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who do, does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. And so having read from God's word, we're going to take a moment also to consider part of our confession as a reformed body of believers about the church and our responsibility in it. From Article 28 of the Belgian Confession, everyone is bound to join himself to the true church. We believe since this holiest congregation is an assembly of those who are saved, and outside of it there is no salvation, that no person of whatsoever state or condition he may be ought to withdraw from it. 
content to be by himself, but that all men are in duty bound to join and unite themselves with it, maintaining the unity of the church, submitting themselves to the doctrine and discipline thereof, bowing their necks under the yoke of Jesus Christ, and as mutual members of the same body, serving to the edification of the brethren according to the talents God has given them. And that this may be the more effectually observed, it is the duty of all believers, according to the word of God, to separate themselves from all those who do not belong to the church and to join themselves to this congregation wheresoever God has established it, even though the magistrates and edicts of princes were against it. Yea, though they should suffer death or any other corporal punishment, and therefore all those who separate themselves from the same or do not join themselves to it act contrary to the ordinance of God. So we do thank the Lord for his word tonight. And may it be a blessing to us. Brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ, I suppose that uh, if, if someone were to ask me, you know, should I look back on my Christian faith or should I look ahead the answer would be both, right? Last week we remembered the crucifixion of Jesus Christ sacramentally. But of course we also were proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes again and being reminded and assured uh, that we have this communion with our God and Christ. And so that speaks to us about all times, right? It speaks to our past because we don't want to forget the Lord. It speaks to our future, because we don't want to forget our hope in the Lord. And it reminds us of our present, because we don't want to forget that uh, through faith in Jesus Christ, he's with us all the time by his grace. So it, it's, it's not a contradiction to say both and rather than either or. It's not a yes or no answer, it's a, it's a both answer. And the same thing can be said when we're talking about the Christian believer's membership in Christ's church, of Christ's body. Uh, we get reminded of that again today. Uh, as believers, we have a duty, if we are believers, to be separate or set apart on the one hand, and then on the other hand, to have a duty to be united. We have a duty to be separate, and we have a duty to be united. And that's not a contradiction. But it's really an outflow of what it means to be part of the holy Catholic Church, or the holy universal church, right? A holy Catholic church. There is this union that we have, because there's one church, over all ages, over all times, among all nations, Universally so, but there's this holiness aspect. And what is true about the church of Jesus Christ is also true then about believers in the church of Jesus Christ. There is this calling to be holy and there's this calling to be united. And uh, that can sometimes be a challenge for us as we try to live that out from day to day, but it's, it is our calling. Uh, to carry that out as the Lord has called us to, as a reflection that way, 
of what the church itself is. So we're going to be taking a look this evening as we consider membership basics for Christ's body at the duty on the one hand to be set apart, being like that way, the, the holy church, uh, but then also to consider the calling, the duty to be united, which is part of that the fact that there's one church and there is this universality about the church. Both of those things come into play as we consider our, our own personal responsibilities in the church of Jesus Christ. So the first thing we're going to look at is the duty to be set apart, to be separate. And that duty to be set apart as members of Christ's church, as we mentioned, has an overflow. It, it flows out of the holiness of Christ's church. The church, of course, is holy, not first of all, as we mentioned last week, because it's perfect. Uh, it's longing for that day when perfection will come in glory, but that's not where she is now. But she's not, first of all, uh, holy because she's perfect, but because the church is a people chosen by God who has set them apart as his holy nation by grace in Christ. And such has been uh, taken then, believers as such, have been taken from the world so that the church may be established in this significant and unique way. But of course that holiness that God establishes by his grace is also a holiness that he continues to carry out, to sanctify us by his spirit in those uh, who belong to him. They are holy, they are to be holy that way, as they are holy, as far as being chosen by God, and more importantly, they are to be holy because God is. They are to be what they are, more and more. They are not only than to consider themselves as chosen unto God by God unto salvation, unto justification, of being made right with God, having their sins forgiven, and having their the righteousness of Christ given to them. We talked about this morning with the robe of righteousness uh, uh, shrouding us that way. But they are to be living lives. We're to be living lives that show that we have been, like our text says, transformed. And that we are being transformed by the renewing of our minds. That we are not to live in conformity with the world anymore. Uh, but And to the pattern of the world. But to be transformed and to live a different way. Because of that grace. So while there is, there is, in, there is this act of grace. By which God has set apart a people unto himself. Separate from the world. There's also this duty that has been given to God's people to be separate even as they are separate. Being in the world but not of the world. Called to live like aliens and strangers so that there may be a distinctive way about them. Now here again, like, like many things to which Christians are called, we can be tempted to get lopsided in our understanding of what it means to be set apart or separate, aren't we? We, we? we can be in danger of that. We can fail to see the proper balance. Certainly our confession realizes this when it tempers this calling to separation. Because as the confession would say, 
The believer is not to be content to be by himself. I mean, that's, that's hyper-separatism, isn't it? That's individualistic. And we'll get more into this point when we look at the second point where we're talking about the need to be joining Christ's church. But, but that sense of individualism is not what the Christian is called to consider when called to be separate. Yes, there's a call to separation. It's what follows when confessing the holy Catholic Church. Otherwise, there's no distinction between the world and the church, between unbelief and faith. Unity, understood properly, is a good thing, but so is separation. In the days of Scripture, we can see that separation or antithesis was a good thing. It happens in the very first gospel message that ever was proclaimed by God himself where God puts enmity between the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. There's separation there. And in that separation comes a gospel message. That separation was actually an act of grace. A proclamation of grace. It, instead of allowing mankind to blend with the world and perish, to blend into evil, to be lost to evil forever, enmity was placed between the world and God's people. And that's what you see in the early chapters of Genesis, don't you? You have those who are trying to make a name for themselves, and you have those, in contrast, who are calling on the name of the Lord, right? In faith and in praise. And that's the ultimate divide. Right? It, it isn't black and white, and it isn't rich and poor, and it isn't slave and free, and it isn't male and female. It isn't this nation and that nation. It's the church and the world. It is faith and unbelief. That's the ultimate separation. Now, there would be those who would still be like that today, right? The, the, the early chapters of Genesis haven't changed. It's, it's either I'm going to make a name for myself or I'm going to call on the name of the Lord and know salvation and, and follow his ways and honor his name. God's covenant people throughout the ages have always been called to this, to this kind of separation, this proper separation, this holiness as the holy nation the people belonging to God, the church of the living God, in separation from the world. Not monastically, right? Not like go hide in the monastery and, and, and bury your head in the sand. Not that. Because again, that's that hyper-separatism. But always called to holiness. In, in, in time, Jewish believers were called out of the synagogue. And Gentiles were called out of their paganism and out of their idol, from, and away from their idols. In the days of the Reformers, a call to be separate from Catholicism occurred. You know, this is part of what 
the author to the confession is, is, is babbling at that time. And even today, that there's that calling to separation from a former way of life. If, 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 you've, if you've ever been involved in any kind of prison ministry, I, and that, that's not something everybody does, but, but sometimes you see it when you're, if you are involved in it in some ways, in some respects, there's former uh, gang members, there's inmates uh, who have found their need to join themselves to something else, to join themselves to the family of faith. To turn to Christ. And they get hungry and thirsty to hear about the gospel. And, and they have questions they want answered. And if you ever get if one ever gets into that situation, it can be very stimulating. <laughs> when when you go and, and teach something somewhere and everybody is flying around with their hands and and they don't have to be in that classroom, and they don't have to come to a Bible study, but there they are. And they're asking questions left and right. It's a wonderful thing, because, but it's, it's, they, they know that they've been missing something all their lives. And now they're coming to know it. And, and they, they, they realize there's a need to separate from one kind of fellowship the fellowship of faith. Holiness calls for a separation from a former immoral life, a godless life, a life where one just did what one pleased with no fear of God or man, and to join themselves to Christ indeed and his church. Where fellowship has changed from the way of the world to the way of Christ and his church. For others it's meant separating themselves from religious fellowships that in some form or another were not in, in accord with sound doctrine, where, where people came to see they could no longer, wherever they were, uh, in good conscience to follow the directives of a church of which they were a part. And in conscience, they had to, they had to go somewhere else. Perhaps it was because Scripture wasn't held high or or God's covenant with believers and their children wasn't recognized, or their, their church was associated with other churches or denominations that weren't holding the confessional truths of the word highly in word or in practice, or other things, but their conscience wouldn't let them carry on like that. Such a separation was not a testimony that everyone in those churches, either if that's part of what they had to do, were unbelievers then, because we left and they didn't, and they're impenitently disobedient, or even that their own uh, local church was necessarily actively condoning those kind of practices and teachings. But the call of members of Christ's body to be set apart certainly impacts, and, and it should impact, one's decisions as to where one is going to be making one's church home as, as part of Christ's greater body. It's a serious matter. Not everybody thinks of it that way, of course. But they should. We'll speak more of this when we speak of the true and false church, but it, it should be emphasized that not every kind of separation is legitimate. Right? And therefore one needs to weigh, when, when 
it's serious business when you do that, right? You don't do that glibly. You don't do that without discernment. You don't do so foolishly without thought, without deliberation. Sometimes separations need to happen to keep peace and, and help cool a relational flame. Sure. But there's some people will separate themselves for secondary reasons or illegitimate reasons. You know, they, they want more friendly people. They, uh, they've grown tired of the same old crowd. Uh, they want a little bit more convenience for themselves. And, or, or in matters of indifference, they didn't get what they wanted. And many seem to be more interested that way in, in what they can get or what they aren't getting than what they should be giving or, or to consider their callings, as our passage even says, you know, or, or our, uh, I should say our confession is, is speaking about this, this recognition of being uh, submissive in all things lawful. And of course, that's, that's something that uh, we all have to do in all spheres of of life, right, is to be submissive in all things lawful. Often matters when we find illegitimate separations happening. Often matters don't don't get left don't get left unresolved, right? And, and some separations are, are failures to forgive or seek forgiveness, or or or, or because people major on minor. And they, and they have no room for charity and, and, or patience with people who may not see everything like they do. Uh, in those ways, such, such are averse to live by the directive that as far as it depends on us, live in peace with one another. And, and those, those things where there's a, that lack of charity and that, that lack of, of patience and long-suffering is, is sometimes uh, can be a very tragic thing. To see how it can cause churches to devour one another. Such illegitimate separations, however, don't give us reason. On the other hand, right to to overlook our call or our consciences in discretion as members of God's holy people, for the sake of God's glory, for the sake of our families, for the sake of our Christian liberty, for our own calling to be lights in the world. And to see to it that our, our church membership should mirror our overall calling to be distinct in the world as those called in Christ by God to be part of the Holy Church of Jesus Christ. And, and so we can't, we can't just glibly, in that sense, just ignore the importance, as our confession reflects as well, as, as the introductory words of Romans 12 remind us, of this need to be holy, in this need to be distinct, in this need, if need be, to, to be separate, right? Legitimately so. Uh, it, it reminds us of, uh, of, of passages like 2 Corinthians 6 that uh, speaks to us about that calling of, of not being equally, unequally yoked, right? Where uh, it, it'll say to us, uh, therefore go out from their midst, be separate from them, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing, then I will welcome you and I'll be a father to you and you'll be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. There's this important calling that way. Don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers, because what partnership is righteousness with lawlessness? 
So there's this dark, there's this duty that we have as church members to be separate in the right sense of the term, right? The balanced sense of the term. But there is this duty that's also there as members of Christ's body then to be united. And it's not a contradiction. It's the calling to be set apart flows from the truth that God and Jesus Christ gathers the Holy Church, so also the call to join or to be united flows from the reality that there's one universal church. It's not surprising that this is the article that comes after the discussion about the one universal church, one holy universal church. Our passage reminds us in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. The importance and value and, and calling to the corporate church and membership within her is often overlooked and underestimated today. It's remarkable. And it occurs in all kinds of ways, as you could, I'm sure, well imagine. Becoming a member of a church oftentimes is not considered a priority. If you can get around it, then maybe one will do it. But, uh, or get, what I should say is, if you can get around to it, then you might, you might do it. But there's so many things that are so much more important. You know, and, and, and some people end up becoming members in two churches. Pastorally, I've dealt with that on a number of occasions. I find out that somebody has been welcomed into a certain church, and they never disassociated themselves from the other church. They didn't disassociate from our church. I'm not saying necessarily this one, but in churches where I've pastored. And I just go, how can that be? You know, how, how can you have your feet in two camps? How can you be under the auspice, under the authority of two sets of elders? People don't think about that. And even churches don't think about that. And so some people end up becoming members in two churches, and you're ended up getting a phone call, and you say you call the church, you call the individual and say, uh, say, you never disconnected from us. I know you've connected there, and, and I, I pray God's blessings there, but why didn't it, why wasn't it important enough for you to make that formal separation from us? That's well, because these things aren't really that important to people. It's not important. And churches don't seem to care where you've been, only that you're with them. And that's disrespectful, to be honest. For some churches and, and individuals, being a member is simply being in the building or attending services. And some people will move away, and, and sometimes they'll move to places where maybe there isn't a faithful church. And uh, you know, we got to be careful about making those kind of moves. But sometimes they'll say, well, we'll keep our membership where we are, where we're at, until we can figure out something. But some people will move away, and they'll never take their membership along with them ever, wherever they go, even if their faithful church is there. And then the elders have to play phone calls and phone tag and text tag 
because these people don't think it's a big deal. It may be that some are in the process of deciding where they want their membership moved, but or, or, or they're but a, a, away for a temporary time. And it could be that, you know, locally, people are, again, they're being deliberate and they're trying to decide where is it that we're going to go. Okay, we can understand that, right? But some, it's not even on the radar. One person once told me that one would never think about when they moved, they asked this of a person once, you know, so when you moved away to that province or when you moved away to that state, did you take your bank accounts with you? <coughs> well, what kind of a question is that? Of course I took my bank accounts with me. That's important to me. I can't live without that. Yeah, but you never took your spiritual account with you. Isn't that important to you? <laughs> Evidently not. Why do people undervalue that so much? The calling to join themselves to Christ's church. Well, there's, there's different reasons. Part of the responsibility of becoming a member in Christ's church is to place oneself under the official supervision of Christ's leadership as Christ manifests that through those who lead his church in his name and in accordance with his word. As there is no kingdom without subjects, so there are no shepherds of God's flock without sheep. You can't talk about being pastoral to somebody if, if you don't have sheep to pastor. Now, now in sin and unbelief, some people who don't want to take the idea of, of, of membership to that confessional conclusion, some, some people like that uh, just don't like submission. I mean, it was okay for Christ to submit to his Father. That's nice, and that turned out well for me, but but not for me to put myself into a committed situation. I don't want commitment. I don't want, I don't want myself committed. I'm not going to jump in with my, both my feet. I may put, dip my toe in, but I'm not going to commit. Because I don't want to be, I don't want to be under the government of any church. That's just too squeaky tight. That's just too strict for me. Now, we may be okay with the idea that the body of Christ is an organism. People like to, you know, that's the thing we ought to stress, is that it's this living organism. I have no problem with that. But it's also an institution. And that's the thing people don't want to talk about, because that's just too rigid. Organism sounds a lot more fluid, flowing. In sin, church leadership is automatically, without justification, a lot of times, looked at as something, you just can't trust those people, right? Sometimes as children and boys and girls, we get into that mentality with our, our parents, right? It's me against my parents. No, it's not you against your parents. It's, I've said that before. It's you and your parents against evil. And God gave you your parents to protect you, to nourish, nourish you, and nurture you in the Lord. They are not your enemies. They are your friends in the right sense. Not in that warm and fuzzy sense, but in the sense of being a godly asset to you. And that's the truth about the Church of Jesus Christ, too. Right right away for some people, now the elders are the bad guys. It's me against the elders. No, it's not you against the elders. It's you and the elders together, members and leaders together against the devil. And that's why we hear things about bowing our necks under the yoke of Jesus Christ, whose yoke is easy and whose burden is light. 
and we want to be faithful worshipers, faithful members, faithful participants in the church, where we're called to be members and are members. Quickly, just to finish this up, closely associated to this reason why we, we undervalue membership is our individualistic spirit where we're, we're looking out for ourselves, or we're tempted to do that. And that can easily be a reason to be against membership because membership presumes the corporate, corporate element, the body of Christ, and, and we as individuals being one of the many. Because we like the one, but not so much the many. And that's just sinful nature. If there are many, and we as individuals are all one of the many, that means that there is something for me to give as well as what I will receive as one connected to this membership. There's nothing wrong with receiving as members. Uh, that should be one of the appeals of, of being part of the church, where we're all in this together, we're bearing each other's burdens. The problem, of course, is that it's often being a member to, to us to that end and no farther. It doesn't stop there. Because it's not just about what we're going to get, it's about what we're going to give. And greater union comes when we're more concerned about being a blessing than seeking it, and, and it's better to give and, and to receive. It's better for us to be uh, known because we're there to give and seek solutions to problems rather than being there simply to gain and then pointing out all the problems. You know, if I don't get married, I have my freedom. The minute I get married, my freedom's gone. I have to commit. That wrong mentality for marriage finds itself in the church as well. Some have a membership, but it still means nothing. Our priorities have taken its place, and we betray where one's true confession is centered. If we walk in the light as he's in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. To have a relationship with God in Jesus Christ is to have a relationship with his people. They go together. The head and the body, the vine and the branches, the foundation and the stones, the foundation and the house, it's a package deal. And then you got on the broader level, right, about uniting. That's something that churches try to do well as well. Our federation has committees that try to do what they can to promote unity among denominations of confessional commonality. That's another way we can show union. But see, both of these areas, separation and union, those are things to which we're called, and we need, to, we need wisdom, right, to strike that proper balance where we're seeking to be separate as God's people and yet united with God's people. Um, that's the calling of those of us who are confessing the one holy Catholic Church. It's the calling of, of all those who are members of the body of Christ, who came not to be served but to serve <laughs> to give his life a ransom for, for many so that there could be a church and so the church could show itself to be that very same way that we are here not to be served but to serve as Jesus first did for us. So, such is the calling that we have then every one of us to be duty-bound to join ourselves to the true church. Let's take a moment to pray, to pray shall we? Father, may we use the rest of our lives to... Uh, an honoring of your name and to be a blessing in your church. And thank you for the chance to be reminded of that again in, in this time, or be instructed in that. The church is a very important uh, thing because it was bought by the blood of Christ. 
and that we need to see ourselves as being distinctly in it and united to it. So help us, Lord, to take that approach always. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to be singing 485, 1 to 3, uh, as our song of response. And then we're going to just hold our books because we're going to sing after the benediction, the fourth verse of that song as our doxology for tonight. Okay, so 485, 1 to 3, then the doxology will be 485, verse 4. 